Women Make Waves is an NC Fit podcast. All right, listeners, welcome back to another episode of the Women Make Waves podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay, and today, Arielle and I are sitting down with our co-host, Laura, and putting her in the hot seat. You've got your final Meet the Host episode coming your way, and Laura is so fantastic in this episode. I already knew Laura was a badass. She's my co-host, she's my co-worker, but she got so much more badass after today's interview. We talk about mountaineering and talk about long-distance running. We also talk about what it's like to live with disordered eating and what it takes to reframe your fitness goals. We talk about Laura's rock bottom and healing, survival mode, and pushing past your comfort zone. You guys, today's episode has something for everybody. Enjoy it, love it, rate it, review it, share it if you're listening, and enjoy this episode of the Women Make Waves podcast. Welcome back to the Women Make Waves podcast. We are sitting down with Ariel and the lovely, lovely co-host, Laura, to chat about Laura's story. So I know a lot of you guys have followed NC Fit or followed the show for as long as it's been out, and it's kind of helpful to know a little bit about us. So we're going to deep dive into the life of Laura. What's up, girl? All right, so not to make this all about me, but this actually is all about me. Um, so just super brief, like overview of what I do and who I am. I'm part of the marketing and design team at NC fit and I am a trail runner. I'm into functional fitness. I have a super cute dog. Um, I'm super passionate about female empowerment, especially in relationship to our bodies and what, you know, a healthy relationship with exercise, nutrition, and our body and soul means. Um, and that's pretty much, that's pretty much me. We can hear Chloe. She wants this to be about her too, but that's okay. We're here my for about Chloe. to the hip. It's, it's a little bit too much, but I need the attention. So it's, it's fine. Listeners who don't know, Chloe is Laura's very, very cute dog. Uh, fun fact, <laughs> Chloe almost lost Laura the job at NC Fit. Can you tell us about that story, Laura? Yeah. So when I was hired, actually, okay. So I'm from the East coast, never been to California before. And I got hired at NC fit and I was like, okay, cool. So just flew out and decided if it didn't work out, I would just, you know, figure something else out in California because California seems like a pretty rad place to live. Um, and I have this little seven pound Bichon poodle mix who looks ridiculous um, and Gabe, Gabe, um, who's part of the company, the sales and marketing director picked me up at the airport and I had Chloe, you know, in my arms for my one week training. And he says nothing to me at that point, except for like, Hey, welcome, blah, blah, blah. Little did I know a year later we're chatting and he's like, yeah, man, I, when I saw you with that dog, I almost turned around. I was like, I made a bad decision. <laughs> So Gabe is my husband, in case anyone didn't know that. And the day he picked you up at the airport, he came home and he was like, so I like Laura, but I'm really conflicted because she has this dog and I like, it totally threw me off. <laughs> and then we met Chloe and I was like, she's so cute. She's the best dressed dog I think I've ever met in my life. Oh my God. It was too funny. I was kind of like Elle Woods coming off the plane, but uh, 
it's all, it's all good. <laughs> the best reference you could possibly make. So I love that. Um, and you know, I resonate so much with that, right? Like coming from the East coast, moving out to California, like if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. It's amazing to find, to just have the opportunity to find something else out here. Um, but what was your biggest draw? Because I know, especially being, because we're all pretty young, right? And like, you didn't necessarily have all the experience you have now coming out and working for this company. And I think that's something that's really cool to just kind of dive into a little bit is this like, where did you get that confidence to say, okay, I don't know this information. Like I don't really know these sets of skills, but I know I can figure it out. Yeah. So I guess like I've always been a risk taker, A, because I'm just trying to feel something and B, because I mean, ever since I was little, I've just been a really weird, interesting child who has, I've always believed, you know, that I can do anything. And there's always self-doubt there nagging at me that I'm fighting every day. But at the end of the day, it's like, give me a problem. I can solve it no matter what it is. Um, and I think that's been, you know, a lot of it was instilled I mean, a young age, you know, like I thought I was going to be Indiana Jones when I was young. And like, now I know I'm kind of like Indiana Jones, maybe covered in glitter. Um, I don't know. It's kind of how I see myself. But anyway, like, I mean, when I was 18 years old after high school, I just decided to move out. And, um, you know, I had, I did a semester in college and said, Hey, I don't really like know what I'm doing. Everyone seems to be drinking. I'm not sure what I want to major in. Um, this doesn't seem like a smart spend of my money. So I decided to actually pursue um, show jumping, horseback riding professionally, moved to New Jersey, did that. That was a huge risk, huge unknown, traveled all the way up and down the East Coast um, working that job. And I think like I built a lot of confidence there. I literally just packed my car up, left at 18, which I'm essentially a child, and started in this industry and, um, you know, kind of like had these reps in of just taking risks and putting in the effort, you know, grinding and making it work, being able to support myself. Um, I come from a background of really, really loving people in my life who have told me that I can do, do anything, which I'm, I'm so appreciative of, but you know, the financial backing hasn't always been there. So that's been a hundred percent you know, since I've been 16 years old on me to provide that. Um, and, you know, that's just just one example of the risk taking. So when I decided to go to California, I, I just said, you know what, this is a job. I know I can do it. And I know I have the wherewithal to figure out a plan B. Like there, there's no option for failure here. That's literally insane. Can we just stop for a second and point out the fact that you show jumped horses for how long? I knew that you rode horses, but like that whole little part of your life did not know. And that's actually super fascinating. So it makes so much sense now because knowing you now, like you're such an adventurer, you're such a, um, you're like, you literally are Indiana Jones covered in glitter. Like <laughs> the perfect, the perfect description of you. Uh, so when For sure you, going to be the title of this podcast. Yes. <laughs> Indiana Jones covered in glitter. <laughs> so perfect. I'm glad we're getting that out there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I personally yeah. identify as a redneck with hippie tendencies. So we're going to, it's going to go really well. This is perfect. This is so perfect. I am literally a farmer. So we all have, we all have that outdoor vibe, right? 
Um, Laura, I want to know more about once you got out here, well, maybe it wasn't even once you got out here, but you have such an adventurous side to you and it makes so much sense now. Like you have this like figure outable, um, you have these figure outable tendencies. You love the adventure. You love being outside. So how did you get into the, because you do insane summits, like you're going on long hikes, long trips. How did you get into that whole world? So it's actually, I didn't grow up in that world. Um, I grew up kind of like as a bookworm, um, did some outside stuff, but never really went hiking. That was kind of my brother's thing, um, hiking mountain biking and all that stuff. I just kind of rode my horses, played sports, ran around, did that kind of stuff. But um, I think probably four years ago, I had a really transformative personal journey, um, breaking down a lot of pieces of my life, a lot of things I've learned over the years and kind of hit a, I wouldn't say rock bottom, but like pretty close to I'm stripped down to nothing. Um, and I found solace and peace in nature. And I found it was a place where I could be with myself, where I could zen out um, and incorporated moving my body as well as, you know, filling my spirit up. So that was kind of like the introduction to it. And then as I got more and more into it, I was like, okay, I can incorporate my trail running into this. I can challenge myself from, uh, you know, climbing things I didn't think I could climb. And I'm also the type of person who just keeps pushing and pushing and pushing. So I'm like, okay, that mountain's higher. This one's more difficult. This trail's longer. Like, can I do this with more weight on my back? Um, so just, it gives me a really cool outlet. And it also, you know, there's such a humbling effect of nature where you don't matter. You know, there's so much more to this world than you. And being out there and just being like, I am nothing compared to all of this is, is a feeling that's like, it's incredibly addicting. Absolutely. I loved the bit that you said earlier, kind of joking, like, I'm a risk taker because I just want to feel something, um, which Ariel and I both laughed tremendously at. But I think we've all been there, right? And I think that one of the things that nature does for all of us is, A, allows us to feel that something, but it's so immense. It's so undeniable. Like the connection and like this collective unconscious that we all have when we really immerse in nature. Um, What is it that you feel when you're out there since you're chasing that feeling? So... If I'm like narrowing it down to something that's very challenging for me, leading up to it, I have this confidence of like, yeah, I can do it no matter what. I'm so jazzed. I've trained for this, blah, blah, blah. And then it's kind of like you, you know, you're driving to that, that long race. Um, You're driving to that peak. You're actually there. And every time there's that like, oh my God. I'm actually doing this. I can't do this. There's no way I can do this. Oh my God. Like I've trained, but like, I'm going to die, you know, on those bigger ones where I'm pushing past that comfort zone. And I think it's really important. And for me, something I do is when I feel that I just lean right into it. I know that that feeling is where growth occurs. That feeling is where, you know, 
I'm going to, something amazing is going to happen. So it's almost like retraining my survival instincts of fleeing and being safe to let's be unsafe and let's just in typical me fashion, just see what happens. And uh, I definitely thought you were going to say, let's just send it. (laughs) I mean, like disclaimer, like, please, like if you're doing stuff like this, a, like have some skills and know what you're doing and don't just like climb up a summit with like no water and stuff. But, um, I, I just love trying to, you know, up there, there's the Zen feeling. If I'm running 15 miles, I get in a total Zen different state in my brain. But, um, I also just like to say like, can I do this? I love that. I love that. Um, (laughs) I was thinking of the other day, I, I, saw one of your Instagram stories and you were running and you were like, literally just me 13 miles because I did that trail too of your suggestion. You were like, just me 13 miles and no headphones, just like the sound of my feet hitting the ground. And it's so, it truly is something that is, it's so magical being in nature. And I know that a big part of why we appreciate it so much is because we are so in tune with how our bodies are feeling and how they're talking to us when we're out in nature. And it can be really easy to kind of put that aside or push it down when we're in our like real world. And I put that in air quotes because there's nothing not real about being out there. It's actually like more real than what we experience on our, on our day-to-day life. Um, And it's, it's really cool because now there's this science coming out about forest bathing, like how we used to, how we talk about grounding where you go outside, you're, you're um, physically like getting your skin touching any sort of natural element, whether it's a tree, it's the grass, whatever it is. And now there's like all the science coming out about forest bathing and how incredibly powerful it can be for developing mindfulness and developing like actual practice within your body to relax. It actually just like physically does that for you. So it's so cool. Anytime I see you going on any of these crazy adventures, I'm always like, oh man, I know that feeling. And it's one thing that I wish more people would have and would have the, uh, maybe the confidence to go out and do. Do you have any, because you didn't start out like this, right? Like you said, you didn't, you didn't grow up in these mountains. So what are some things that you may, advice for people that are maybe looking to get into trail running or maybe want to start hiking or maybe want to try some crazy long distances but they've never done it and it kind of scares them yeah I mean I think the biggest thing to to do is is just like any new skill you're learning is small measurable attainable goals right so say you want to run an ultra you're not an ultra marathon you're not going to start by running 60 miles a week or, or, you know, 10 miles in one session, that's going to just break a, your body, but also your mind. You know, if, if you're looking to start doing endurance work and, and work like this, just starting to do training and, you know, going outside to maybe a trail you've never been, been to before, learning how to read a map in small, small, you know, two miles remote. And, um, the first time I went hiking, I got so lost. I think I was five hours extra. I thought I was going to die, but I got out. And that's how you build the confidence and how you build the skills is being right in it. Um, and Ariel, I think it's super interesting what you what you just hit on is that um, 
you know, getting out of the real world into, into the, the wilderness. But like, you know, this isn't the real world. That is the real world. You know, we, we're, our uh, evolution, you know, we're meant to be outside. And it only makes sense that these studies are showing us, you know, that we're calming, practicing mindfulness when we're out there. And I can say from experience coming off of a trip, you know, where, where I'm outside backpacking for three days or summiting something, I'm Zen for like four days after that. And then after that, my anxiety just tips, 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 tips up. <laughs> and, um, you know, a lot of it is, is exercise induced, you know, endorphins from that. And, um, you know, being outside and, trail running in this, this form of exercise, you know, I, I also train functional fitness in the gym and, and all of that stuff to be stronger, to do these types of things. But, um, th- it's a really interesting form of exercise for me because it started, um, not, not in a great way. It started trying to change my body, but now it's more of a, an experience of, wow, my body can do this. Like I can climb mountains. I can run as far as I want to. And I'm doing this because I love it not because I'm trying to change anything about my body. Yeah. I think something that we've lost a lot in Western culture is when you look at other cultures around the world, like there are things designed in like later childhood as a rite of passage, right? Whether that's a spirit quest or any of the woo-woo things that I'm super into, um, we don't have that built into our culture. And some people find it in college, like you said, like I just showed up and didn't know what the hell I was doing and had to figure it out. And instead I figured out this other path for myself. And I think that nature and like giving yourself the okay and the like, I'm going to summit this mountain for five days and it's going to get hectic and it's going to get crazy. And I'm so capable. And especially if I've like tapped into this mindful place that I'm capable of like living in the flow, I can do this. And I think that that's such an overlooked part of our culture and and it's integral to, to our growth. Um, has that kind of been working with, you know, your now new and improved outlook on um, kind of your your reason for getting into long distance running versus where you are now with it and body image. Would you say a lot of that has come out of this earned confidence from the rite of passage that nature has provided? Yeah, I would say it's a combination of a lot of things. A, intensive therapy. <laughs> B, every day it's still a to the nail struggle, right? Um, but yeah, just just knowing the two sides of it, right? Knowing when you're not nourishing your body, when you're maybe overdoing it, and how running and experiences in nature feel different than than how it is out there when you're nourished and ready to go and you're feeling, you're feeling all of the feelings. Like if you're summoning a mountain, if you're out there for 20 miles running, doing any of those things, you go through an emotional roller coaster and it's incredible. Like you're feeling the highs, you're feeling the lows, you're feeling the in-betweens, you're thinking about things you never would think about because what else are you going to do? Um, and just seeing that happen as opposed to being out there underfueled and my one focus on I need to burn calories is I mean what are you doing why wouldn't you just have fun 
I love that. Gabe literally laughs because every time we go backpacking, like it's one of our, I love it, love backpacking. But every time we go, there's a running joke that I always have a breakdown. I will cry every trip. And sometimes it's a cry of like being so like overwhelmed by the beauty of where we are. And a lot of the time it's like, I'm frustrated by something and I'm having a panic attack or like a breakdown and I will literally cry. And it's without fail every single time we go, but it's so powerful because it's a space where you don't have any distraction, right? Like it's your space to work through things that you may be pushing down. You may be like avoiding and it can be so powerful to have that space for yourself. And you don't need to be 13 miles into a trail to have that. It just almost like forces it for some people. So I think that that is where it comes in because also we have, like I talk about this in business all the time, but like we have an ego inside of us and it's meant to keep us safe. So it's the thing telling us like, don't go farther. Like you don't need to do that. Like it's not necessary. You don't have to get there. Um, because it's literally there from an evolutionary standpoint to keep us safe. And we are safe. We're always almost you. It may be a different question because (laughs) you are, but like, we're almost always safe, you know, and it can be a conversation of like, thank you for showing up ego. Like, thank you for being here. Thank you for keeping me safe for doing your job. And like, I'm okay. And I know I'm going to get through this. And I love that that's just kind of the mentality you've taken into all of your adventures because you are okay. Like even when you got lost, it was fine. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like even dialing it down to, if you're not, um, you know, that can be applied to so many different places in life. And recently, you know, with my fitness, I've, you know, in the winter and the off season of, of mountaineering and everything, I'm, I'm mostly in the gym and running around here and, you know, on, the, on those workouts when you've got one round left or, or you're pushing yourself to your max, it's like in my head, I still say that same thing. It's like my body is saying, okay, like, let's stop. This sucks. This really hurts. And I know I can separate. I'm like, that's the self-preservation side of me. Yes. Thank you so much for showing up. I know my legs hurt. Like, great. Thank you. And then there's also the side of me that says, okay, bye. And just putting your, your mind to that and, and grinding it out. Um, you know, that, that's applied there. That's applied on the trails. That's applied at work, personal, ev- you know, everywhere across this whole spectrum. Yeah. I talk a lot about with my clients, like deciding instead of your to-do list, like how you want to be and how you want to show up. And when you decide those things, like when you're deciding that you are the person who is committed to whatever that goal is like it gets a lot easier to separate your ego from what you actually want because a lot of times we get stuck in the well like what if it doesn't work out like what if I get hurt what if what if I can't go on after this like what if tomorrow I can't do something because I am too sore blah blah blah, whatever it is and a lot of the time it is just our ego keeping us safe and like it's just because we're like a tad uncomfortable um and I get this a lot like we were running for a good like two month span and I was like pushing distances, getting pretty far. And then we stopped because we moved. And when I started running it again, it was like back to one mile was hard. And then I didn't want to do it because it was hard. Right. And like, it, it didn't feel as good as the last time I did it. And that's where a lot of people get stuck. Right. It's like, 
well, it doesn't feel the same as it did, or it feels kind of hard now. So that must be an indication that like, I should stop here. Yeah. Where like you said in the beginning, like that area of growth, like that's the place right there when it gets really hard, that's when we grow. And that's like our threshold is like kind of learning how to push it and like when to back off. And I know for you, it is because you're such a high achiever, because you're such a, like a go-getter type A person, as I like to call us, because I get it. Like, where is the balance that you found or have you found a balance in like finding the threshold? And like, what do you do when you get there to kind of like, keep a little bit of yourself preserved, right? Yeah. So um, you hit the nail on the head there. I'm like uh, type A to the extreme, um, kind of obsessive about certain things, um, which is a, a double-edged sword, um, especially with with fitness because it's such an easy thing. And you've touched on this too, Ariel, to just get a bit carried away with. And honestly, for me, <laughs> learning by failing that's how I've learned. And and I'm not, oh my gosh, I'm not perfect. Every day I'm having this, like, should I do this? Should I do that? Am I pushing myself? Am I not pushing myself enough? I'm definitely not pushing myself. You know, there's that dialogue, but I have broken myself so many times to know that, okay, is it worth it in the long term for me to do this right now to satisfy whatever I'm feeling, whether it's, I just want to do this for fun I'm anxious and I need an outlet. You know, how is this? If I um, have another stress fracture, I won't be able to run for three months or six months or more. And touching on what you you also you know just chatted about, Ariel, is so humbling because every time you come back into running, it is that same fight through mud, crawling. I remember coming back after my last injury, after you know being able to run. 20 miles beautifully and and coming back to a 15 minute walk run and just crying because it was so difficult. Um, So yeah, just literally failing so many times to, to learn like a child how to pace myself and I'm still not there yet. I think that that's part of life, right? Like I was having this conversation the other day, it's called personal development. It's not like, personal enlightenment. Like we don't get to this destination. I think that we're constantly growing and like failing, failing forward, failing often and accepting it is exactly what you were saying, how we start to move forward. Um, I, you know, outside of NC fit, am a therapist and a total somatic therapist. Like, can we bring it to the body? How does the body begin to feel things? Can we move all of these different things. And what you touch on is something that I talk about a lot with my clients and the mind can know a lot of things, but it's very, very hard for us to put it into practice until the body knows it. And you can tell me if I'm wrong here, I'm kind of going out on a limb, but it sounds to me like running has provided this space where like you can feel the feelings and feel them deeply within your body and integrate it and then move forward. Am I, I see some nodding, but I'm not sure if I'm just like speaking out of turn. No, you're not on a limb at all. I mean, a lot of my background, you know, I've had a lot of trauma in my life that I haven't processed. Um, and to the point where like, there's 
a really large part of my life where I felt nothing at all. Um, and this has been an avenue of allowing me to be like, oh my God, this is what this feels like. This is what anger feels like. This is what happiness feels like. like this is cool just because it is so intense. And like, as we all know, trauma is stored in the body. Um, and I think like, it's a really unique balance of, you know, what I'm learning now is, is making sure my mind, body, and spirit are fed in a balanced way. So if I'm putting too much emphasis on moving my body, then I know my mind isn't being fed enough. And if I'm not like exercising my mind enough, maybe I'm not exercising my body enough and making sure those buckets are kind of like, um, even if that makes any sense, I might've just totally rambled. I think that that's a great way to put it because we can so easily use fitness and I'll talk about my own experience, like as a numbing out experience where I was like, I found, I got so addicted to the flow state to the, like my body hurts and I'm feeling myself sweating and I'm not addressing any of these things in my life because I can just focus on like this moment in this workout. And then like, the clock would run out or the workout would end and I would just be so overwhelmed with emotions because it was all things that I hadn't dealt with, that I had just used fitness as like a numbing out practice. Um, so without unearthing too much trauma, what are some of the things that are you're, you're kind of wrestling through right now and, and other listeners may be wrestling with as well? Yeah. I mean, without going into my full history, because no one wants to hear that. um, (laughs) I think the biggest challenge for me, you know, I'm 26 years old right now, which feels really old, but um, you know, starting when I was 13, I've had issues just with disordered eating um, and battling with that, you know, to this day with that, um, you know, to just be completely transparent have been treated multiple times for anorexia and have been clawing myself tooth and nail to, you know, get, get out of that state and to be healthy. And it's always a spectrum of I'm okay. I'm not okay. I'm okay. I'm not okay. Like blah, 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 blah. And whether it's, you know, each time it comes up, it's different, whether it's an obsession with hyper, like health conscious eating or hyper exercise or the two together. Um, So like one of the things I've learned is like, yeah, sometimes I'm okay. Sometimes I'm not. It's a daily struggle, but like the root of it is your body. Right. And like, I try not to say my body, but like this suit I'm in while I'm living, like this earth suit that my soul is in and kind of, um, you know, I just want to like, I'm in the fight now and I know I will be for probably the rest of my life, but I know a lot of women and men not to single them out, whether they've been you know, at that low, low point or as intensely, I, I would wager that everybody feels conscious, is conscious of their body and might not love it. And, um, you know, just like exercise and stuff. It's a daily battle of, of I'm in this for the fun, not for changing myself and just trying to like help people because, nobody is as obsessed with your body as you are and everybody's beautiful and we should look at our bodies for what they can do. Um, not for, not for aesthetics because hell, these things change a lot. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, what would you say 
was the turning point in that. Because I think that you hit the nail on the head saying like, all of us care more about what our body looks like than anyone else around us. Um, One of my favorite things to do in session when a client is kind of like spiraling out on like all these terrible things that they're doing or all the ways that they're making the world a horrible place is just kind of like lean in and be like, hmm, what's it like to be that important? And like, we kind of laugh about it, right? Um, Because we create these stories that are just out of control and you're a thousand percent right. Like, especially working out in like the group fitness space, like the anxieties that can come up of like, oh my gosh, there's a cute guy and he's lifting next to me. What if I lift funny or not enough? Or what face am I making, right? And these can carry over into every other aspect of our life too. What was, was there a defining moment where you were like, oh, there's a switch here. There's a way that I can honor what my body can do instead of all of the things that it's not doing or all the ways it's not enough. I'm not sure if there was a defining moment, but like a couple things come to mind is a, the first time I I stepped into like a, a CrossFit gym five years ago, there was, there were no mirrors. And that was the first time in my life that I had been in a gym with no mirrors I was like, okay, this is incredible. I'm not, fo- I'm not looking at myself. I'm just focusing on what my body is doing. So that was a big, big thing for me. Um, starting to nourish myself and run and getting into that Zen state and knowing that I could only get there if I had proper nourishment was another huge thing. Um, and then I think like, you know, one of the things I've learned that, that is talked about a lot with in, in body image is like, if you're looking in the mirror, whatever you're looking at is going to be bigger than it actually is. And kind of transferring that to, to everything else. Like the amount of time I spend thinking about like my own things is probably the amount of time other people think about think their own things. You know what I mean? So I'm at the gym and I'm like doing my thing. I'm all in here. I don't care what you're doing next to me. I'm not even really paying attention. And maybe that's not great, but like, it just makes me think that everyone's pretty uh, self, self-absorbed for the most part. No one's really thinking that much about me, you know? That's one thing that um, I love to just bring up to people um, and because it's helped me too, right? Like this idea that like, no one cares what you're yeah. doing. And that has been something super empowering for me to even think about because it's like, yeah, it's fun to share things um, and growing a, like bringing this into business, like growing a business on social media can feel really daunting because everyone's like comparing, well, like how many likes did I get today? Like how many times did someone interact with my whatever? And truthfully, like when you compare, when you're in this game of comparison with other people, you will always lose right because like there is no way for everyone like you're literally comparing yourself to someone because you want to know where your shortcomings are and so that is never a good feeling um and so I love that thought process of like doesn't matter no one cares everyone's still too wrapped up in like their own shit for to be thinking about what you're doing um that was something that was super liberating for me too because it was like oh well now I kind of have the permission I didn't really need but like kind of needed to do the things that I want to do that fill my cup um, and make me feel good because now I'm not worrying about like what Sally is thinking of me in the corner yeah and I think that being like, you know, something that a lot of us miss and 
is like being in your 20s and 30s, like you're still figuring a lot of stuff about yourself out. Um, and I'm kind of speaking from what I've learned from other people who are older than me because I'm only in my 20s, but like people say that the 20s are uh, a bit of like a like freak out for, for us emotionally, mentally, like who are you? Um, I just want to be like 50 years old with purple hair and like wearing like a cheetah coat and not caring or giving a shit what anybody thinks about me. Like I'll climb a mountain like that. Like if you don't like it, okay, bye. Like, you know, whatever I want to do. I have no doubt. Yeah. (laughs) I have no doubt that will be you. But I also (laughs) just want to like be woo woo. Wait till your Saturn's return girlfriend, because that 29th year, Oh, I'll tell you what you learn a lot about you. (laughs) Um, But I think what we don't do enough in life and we don't, we're not given a platform enough is to celebrate our success. I know for a long time I had a narrative that was like, if I celebrate my success, I'm boasting. Nobody wants to hear that. Um, it, how can I show up in this world and be proud of what I did without being this like egotistical asshole. Right. And you have done some really incredible stuff. Like, really incredible stuff. So I want to give you the platform to just a, like my own curiosity. I want to know the biggest mountain that you've summited and what is coming up because that's awesome. And then I'll follow up with my other question after that. All right. Um, well, thank you. I'm really uncomfortable now. Um, (laughs) last year I summited, um, one of the 14ers in, in, um, the Eastern Sierra and summited to the Palisade Glacier, which is the southernmost glacier in the U.S., um, which was probably the most difficult thing I've ever done because... How tall is that? Uh, 14K, 14,000 feet. Yeah. So you're kind of like, I was up there, and you get a, a mile and a half kind of from the summit, and there's no trail. You're just route finding, scrambling up rocks, and there's like there's ice and there's snow and there's teeny little crevasses that you don't want to fall in. Um, and I'm up there alone and obviously you're at altitude. So you're a little woozy. Um, but, but eventually you get to the summit of this ridgeline and, um, behind you, you see six glacial lakes that you just crossed over the past 22 miles. Um, you see the rest of the Eastern Sierras and then you look down and a couple thousand feet under you is, this insane glacier that I've, I've never seen a glacier in real life before. So, um, that was, that was amazing. And probably the most difficult thing I I've done mountaineering wise, um, just from route finding the snow and, and the scramble was pretty tough coming up this summer. Um, in April or May, I'm hoping to do the, well, not hoping I'm going to do the grand Canyon rim to rim to rim. So that will be super cool combination of, of trail running and hiking that. And then, um, I'd like to hit up. I'm always, I'm always in the Eastern Sierra climbing those, those bad boys, but would like to do Mount hood up in the Pacific Northwest and big lofty goal is to climb the grand Teton in, um, the, the middle of the, the country, because I saw, I saw that bad boy in October covered in snow. And I was like, I got to climb that. (laughs) So just for reference, because like 14,000 feet is kind of an obscure number. What is a normal 
like if someone were going to go on like a hike in Southern California or even Northern California, what's like a normal summit for someone? So like, I believe the tallest mountain, which I've done like multiple times. So I should know this, but I don't in SoCal is like 10,000 feet. Um, most of SoCal is at, at sea level anyway. I mean, if you think about your typical hike, that's like, I don't know, you'll get 2000 to 3000 feet gain. Like maybe you'll get 2000 feet above sea level 3000. Um, Mount Whitney is the tallest mountain in the continental U S and that's just over, over 14,000 feet. Um, so I'm not, I'm not sure like how many empire state buildings that is, but I, I'm pretty sure it's more than one. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely more than one. I'm like, damn, I go to Denver and I get like altitude ass and can't, <laughs> can't handle myself. So for really real. can't walk from the car to the gym without getting winded. So yeah, my, my Apple watch goes off. It's like, would you like to book this workout? <laughs> I'm just walking through the airport. Thanks. Though. Yeah, altitude is is no joke. I mean, there have been times where I'm up there and I'm just like, oh man, should I be doing this? Like, am I okay? <laughs> so my follow-up question to celebrating the successes that are your 14,000 feet? Is it feet? Yes. 14,000 feet voyages. Uh, how are you making waves? Ooh, um, well... <laughs> I think mm, that's such a hard question. I want to start making bigger waves, helping women not love their bodies, but accept them and work to, to just acknowledge the things they can do. Um, I think right now I'm making waves by just kind of telling telling my story there and and ex- sharing the outdoors with people and kind of telling telling people to get outside and I just like the joy I feel and what I've you know gotten from from that I just want to share with as many people as possible. Um, so those are my big things: get outside and accept your body for what it can do, not what you look like. Heck yeah. I love that. You, you don't have to love your body, but you do have to get to know it and you have to accept it. Yeah. Changing the language around that is huge. Cause I think that if you say get to love your body, there's also the unconscious sentence that's not being said is like, okay, if I'm getting to love it, that means that, you know, the binary of that, like, I hate it. No, like mm-hmm. that's also, we never want to start something from a place of desperation. Like, start from abundance and through acceptance that's so so huge so I love the language shift that you made there and there's also that like dichotomy of like hey maybe today like I don't feel like awesome in my body and I'm gonna do this which feels really cool with my body you know like two opposing things can be true I love that it's so much of like you know instead of it being like, oh, I don't feel great today. And that means that I'm not worthy or I'm not worth it. It's, it's like, okay, I don't feel great today. And I can do something to make myself feel great. Like I don't have to sit in that. I love that so much. Laura, thank you so, so much for being here, um, being our co-host and for sharing this story because I totally know the um, discomfort in being vulnerable. 
And I appreciate it. And I know Lindsay does too. Uh, where can people keep finding all of your fun adventures? And if they want to contact you to get to know more about um, anything, what, where can they find you? Yeah, so you can come to my house in SoCal. Um, <laughs> or you can catch me on Instagram at um, Laura R. Diello, which is like a hell of a mouthful to search. Um, but we will drop it in, in the show notes for you guys. <laughs> Awesome. Thank you so much again. This was such a fun convo and uh, we'll catch you guys next time. Thank you guys. Send it.